Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So welcome to Christmas 2021. Is there anybody fired up, excited about Christmas? Let me hear it. Yeah, well, we certainly are. We're going to gather together with our family, the grandkids. Our son, Jaden, number four, is home from college. We're temporarily not empty nesters, but that's okay. Love to have them home. Uh, number three, Jaden will be out there, the whole family. And we have all of our deliveries from Amazon for Christmas, so it's done for us. I just, out of curiosity, how many of you still got shopping to do? This is hands, hands everywhere. Oh my God, how many of you are waiting on deliveries? How many, how many of you just like a prayer for those right now? You're just like, oh dear God, those need to be delivered. Well, it's going to be a great Christmas, I hope, for you and your family. And of all the gift exchange and the joy of Christmas, still the most important thing you will do is respond to Jesus, the Christ of Christmas. It's why we're asking the most important of questions in this season, what was Jesus really like? And by the way, when we ask that, I don't know what your view is of Jesus. Uh, maybe you're online and welcome. It's great to have you. Maybe, maybe you're at 12-stone home, which is awesome. Maybe, maybe you're in person at a campus. And, and I wonder, what is, your, what is your view, your picture of Jesus? So here's what we're going to do. Just so I know you know how to raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand wherever you are. Raise, just raise your hand. Okay, put it back down. Now I know you know how to do it. Okay. If you think, when I show the next picture... Every time I do this, three, four, five pictures, if, if that's like what Jesus looks like to you, just go ahead and raise your hand. Here's the first picture. Is this what Jesus looks like? Hands up. I'm saying, oh, yeah. See, I grew up with that. That right there was my mom's picture of Jesus. That was hung in our house. That, so if you had asked me as a kid growing up, what does Jesus look like? I would have picked that. Obviously, he doesn't. It's an artist rendering. But here's another one. Is it, how many of you, that's what Jesus looks like? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's more Catholic, isn't it? Like, you, maybe you come from that background again. A little bit more of that. Here's another one. How many, this is Jesus. <laughs> Amazon's not God. Just disappointed lots of people. Just mess with your theology. Let's try another one. Oh, this is Jesus. Oh, yeah, the manly Jesus. Carrying the sheep over his shoulder. That's Jesus. Obviously, just an artist rendering. Here's another one. This is Jesus. I know Jason thinks so. <laughs> Pastor Jason is not Jesus. But how fantastic is that? I told the team, just make Jason look a little bit like Jesus. Because that's as close as he'll ever get. God love you, brother. Okay, Here, here's another one. Here's, here's another Jesus. Now, this is not really the Jesus. This isn't what he physically looked like. But this is the adaptation. This is the character, the actor who's playing Jesus in the series, The Chosen. And we're leveraging the chosen to tap into an understanding, not what does Jesus look like physically, but who was Jesus? God in human flesh. And so we're going to go to the book of John, chapter 4, wherever you are, across the campuses, 12 Stone Home Online, get a Bible or get your Bible app, turn to John, chapter 4, and we are going to tap in and answer the question, what was Jesus really like? And I can just tell you where it's going to take us. Jesus redefined, listen while you're finding your place in John 4, Jesus redefined include and exclude. 
Jesus redefined for the kingdom of God what it means to include people or exclude. Who's included? Who's excluded? In a culture where there's a lot of confusion over inclusion, who belongs, who doesn't belong? Who do we keep in and who do we cancel? Way before we're having that modern culture conversation, Jesus is addressing it. He left heaven, came to earth, Merry Christmas. And then in John chapter 4, he reveals to us a redefinition, really quite transforming, about include, exclude. And I want to give you highlights right off the top. In fact, it's so important that I detailed it here. And so I want you to see it. I want you to hear it. What we're going to discover, Jesus came to include us in his kingdom to seek spiritually lost people. That is who have a confused faith, who have made mistakes and who have made a mess in life. Let's keep going. To save spiritually lost people, not condemn them. We're going to learn some things in John chapter 4. It goes on. Look at the list. Is it Jesus redefined inclusion and exclusion? Include people and exclude sin. And by the way, when you exclude people, have you ever thought about this? You exclude God. When you include sin, you exclude God. Let's keep going. When God includes you and you include God, you have real joy. Real what, everybody? Joy. And I should be said with joy. Real what? Joy. That's real joy. God includes you. You include God. You have joy. Merry Christmas. So we have two groups that we've been praying for in this series. You're probably in one of these two groups. And by the close of the service, we're going to pray over you. For followers of Christ, Christians, the prayer is restore the joy of my salvation. And we recognize that many times faith can become dry, mechanical, check the boxes, lose your fire, passion, zeal. Oh, God. I think I've lost touch. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a sense of your joy. Would you restore the joy of my salvation? We'll pray over you. It would be just like God to reignite that in your soul. But there's another group, spiritually unresolved. And may God, that God may awaken salvation in you. Listen, he came because you matter to him to seek and to save us. And there's nothing like the joy of Jesus. By the time we come to the end, we're going to invite you. Say yes to Jesus. So here we are. John chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And now he had to go through Samaria. And that's where the chosen Picks up. Let's watch. Where are you going? This way, friends. We're going through Samaria. Are you telling a joke? There's a place that I want to stop. Plus, it makes our journey shorter by almost half. And our odds of violent attack more likely by double. <laughs> Is that an exact figure? Forgive me, teacher, but it's safer to go around Samaria by way of the Jordan than at the Capitalists. Would you join me for safety reasons? But Rabbi, you're Samaritans. Good observation, Big James. What's your point? Rabbi, these were the people that profaned our temple. 
with the dead bones. They they hated they us. Fought they fought against us with the Seleucids in the Maccabean Wars. I never even spoken to a Samaritan. And we destroyed their temple a hundred years ago. And none of you here were present for any of these things. Listen, if we are going to have a question and answer session, every time we do something you're not used to, it's going to be a very annoying time together for all of us. We'll be fine. And if we get attacked, Simon will be happy to show us what to do. Absolutely. Right. So follow me. All right. I don't know. I don't know for sure if Jesus ever really did get annoyed. Did Jesus, I don't know if Jesus got annoyed, but don't you think it'd be quite fantastic if he actually said that to the disciples? It's not saying in the scripture, but you keep asking dumb questions, this is going to get annoying. Now, I'm sure he didn't think the questions were dumb, because there are things that we need to learn. What's actually going on? And in order for you to understand this context of include or exclude, and there's confusion in the church and outside the church, I'm going to have to give you a little history. Are you ready for a little history lesson, a little go to school? The answer is yes. You ready for a little history, little lesson here? Let me hear it. Yes. All right, let's do this. I'm going to do it pretty fast. You try and keep up. Maybe you have to go back online to follow this and catch on. But there is a history of hate between the Jews and the Samaritans. But there's context. I'm going to do a really light 101 review of history. And I'm going to do it from the map. Let's go to the map. Now, this is a map from the Old Testament time, think post-Moses or when the nation of Israel uh, got the land entrusted to them and it was divvied up amongst the 12 tribes. So all the different colors represent tribes. Each one a tribe, the 12 tribes, one nation. 12 tribes, one nation. This was their land territory. But after Solomon and the sin of Solomon, the nation of Israel was divided. So now we come to a new map, and it's separated from Israel to the north and Judah to the south. So now the ten tribes of Israel are in the north, and they separate. This is civil war. And two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, are in the south. And in the south is where you have Jerusalem and the temple. So now the Samaritans will eventually come from Israel. But at this period, we have Israel and Judah. They're at war with each other. You read through the rest of the Old Testament from 2 Kings 12 on, and you find that Israel is conquered by Assyria. Assyria then sends all sorts of other ethnicities to come in and populate the area and to pollute the bloodline of Israel. And so now they are a mixed race and they worship at Mount Gerizim and, and, and we come to the time of Jesus. And by the time we come to the time of Jesus, we have this kind of new map, if you will. And in this new map, we have Samaria, if you can see it to some there in the middle of the map. And, and, and that's where Israel, the 10 northern tribes lived. But they're now a mixed race. They have mixed up their theology and their religion. And the Jews from Judea, they are the pure bloodline. They're the ones who worship at the Jerusalem temple, the holy temple. They have a hatred with Samaria. They're once, generations ago, bloodline brothers, sisters. Why? 
They're half-breeds. They don't worship the true God. They're second-class citizens. They're defiled. In fact, a real Jew would just walk all the way around Samaria to get from Judea up to Galilee. They wouldn't even be defiled by them. They wouldn't eat their food. In fact, they have a history of anger and battle and fights. And, and so by the time you get to the story of the woman at the well, you understand there's a history of hatred between Jews and Samaritans. In fact, why... Real Jews wouldn't even be among them. And that takes us to John chapter 4. And now we're going to walk into the story. And to do that, let's just, let's just go over to the living room. Let's go hang out together. And, and let's sit in this story that the chosen so beautifully translates from Scripture in John chapter 4. Let me go right back to reading. Back to verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now when it says he had to, what it really means is that the will of the Father was guiding Jesus by the Holy Spirit to go to Samaria. Something was going to happen that would redefine and transform what it means to be included in the kingdom of God, when the Jews think a certain group is excluded, this is profound. Watch. We ate the last of Salome's bread last night. Esther, we need to go into town for food. We can use the gold left for us at the fountain. Very well. There's a town about a mile west. Sikar. You all go. I'll wait here. Someone should stay with you. In case. I'm all right. Meet me at that well when you come back. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. 
You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Yeah, if she knew. If you knew who Jesus really was, the Christ of Christmas, you'd be asking him for a drink. Now, the Samaritan woman, they don't give us her name. So I'm just going to call her Sam. For Samaritan, for Samantha, I don't care. Just Sam. It's just easier. So Sam doesn't realize how profound this moment is in her life. If she did, whoo. I mean, everything was about to change. You have no idea. You might be sitting in person today at a campus. You might be on 12 Stone online. You might be with 12 Stone home. However you got this teaching, wherever you are in this moment, have no idea this is oh, just another moment and another day when Jesus is about to show up. By his Holy Spirit, he's going to talk to you. If you knew who he was, if you realized who was talking to you, you'd ask him for a drink. A drink? Well, I get it. It's a well. But Sam is thinking a material well with a physical drink. And Jesus is about to turn it. And he's talking about a spiritual well, a soul drink. Listen in. I say, if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I say. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. 
too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. You see her? Starts to shake her head. You have to stay in this. You listening, all of us, you have to stay in this. Just like Sam has to stay in this. She's shaking her head. Ah, I don't know. She's about to bail on Jesus. See, she can't believe that it's not going to matter where you're from or what you've done. Because she's been excluded, and she knows she's been excluded. She's not about to be included. She can't believe that. Oh, she can believe that a prophet from God would show up and condemn her. She can believe she would be condemned. And yet, Jesus didn't come to condemn her. She can't believe that there's living water. That there's something God can do inside you that transforms you from the inside out. And that you can have joy that wells up well like a well in you. <laughs> she can't believe that. She can't believe there's this new kind of worship that's not attached to a place. But attached to a knowledge of God that translates to the heart. And you worship God in spirit and in truth. And you have a relationship in its real heart. She can't believe that. So she's kind of shaking her head. Ah, I don't Boy, at Christmas time every year, a whole bunch of people get introduced to Jesus, and halfway through, they just start shaking their head. Stay in this. Don't bail on Jesus. This is about to change your life. Jesus is about to change her life. Stay in this. Listen. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, 
you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> What is? You forgot your um. Fancy, you man! You told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Wait a minute. You told her, and she can tell others. Mm -hmm. So does that mean it means we're going to stay here a couple of days? It's been a long time of sowing, but the fields are ripe for harvest. And so it's time. Let's go. I'm sorry, but that deserves absolute yay, God. Yay, God. Whew. I am He, Jesus says. She says, I, Sam, Sam says, I, I know my mess. I know my mistakes. I've been rejected. I'm excluded. And Jesus says, what? Not by me. Are those not the best words you've ever heard? Jesus says, you're not rejected by me. He is changing who's excluded and who's included. Merry Christmas. Tell your neighbor, Merry Christmas. Now, there's stuff we need to learn from this. So let's just get back here and, and get to what we need to learn. And I, I got to stick to my notes on this because I'm going to go everywhere and we'd be here for hours. And some of you would say, that'd be awesome. And others like, stick to your notes then. What was Jesus really like? Let's unpack this. Because, because it's not how the Jews believed Jesus would be in the kingdom of God works. It's not how the Samaritans believed. And quite honestly, it's not how we've divvied up who's included and who's excluded. 
So this is revolutionizing. So let me go back to where we started in our teaching. What was Jesus really like? Jesus came to include us in his kingdom to seek to what? Seek spiritually lost people who have a confused faith, who have made mistakes, and who have made a mess in life. Me, me, if, if you can't say me, at least look at your neighbor and say you. I want you to feel included. And to save spiritually lost people and not condemn them. You know, Jesus came, Merry Christmas. He came a long way to tell us this, to seek us and to save us. That actually comes from his own words in Luke chapter 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And we lean a lot of times into save, but we should pause and recognize how important it is that he said, I've come to seek. Like he did the, he, he initiated. How, how many of you, like as a kid, you, you play hide and seek? You like playing hide and seek as a kid. How many of you have, as parents have played or are playing hide and seek with your kids? Okay, yeah, I, my kids love to play it. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, we, we probably had more fun than y'all because uh, we got to use the church buildings. I've never admitted to that publicly, but we'd slip over to the church building. Man, when we built Central Campus, over 100,000 square feet, we played hide and seek and I kept all the lights off in the whole building. You could go anywhere, everybody got a flashlight. Then if they ever got close to me, I'd scare the daylight out of them. It was fantastic. I said, Dad, quit doing that. I said, no, that's just much fun. I love scaring my kids. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's so much fun to do that to your kids. In fact, some of you play hide and seek in a different way. You come home from work or whatever and you hide and you don't want your kids to find you. <laughs> hey, do you know in history where hide and seek started? The very first hide and seek game? We know. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Adam and Eve. I didn't need a groan. I needed a, oh. <laughs> uh, Adam and Eve sinned, made a mess, made mistakes, and they hid. And their heavenly father came to seek them. Genesis begins with the love of God creating us in his image. And we sin and we hide and he seeks us. The New Testament begins with the love of God. And in the midst of our mess, he seeks us. See, last week when Pastor Jason's teaching, it gives us one story. And today's teaching is the opposite story. But the same Jesus, the same facet, if this multifaceted amazing God. Here's what I mean. In last week's story, you got the, the, the leper and, and, and the paralytic, and, 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 and they didn't do anything to be paralyzed or have leprosy. But, but in this week's story, Sam admits, I've made mistakes, I've made a mess. See, sometimes you'd say, look, I, I don't know how I got where I am. It's just the fallout of sin, but I didn't make a choice. But the reality is that on the other side of life, you're not a victim. You made a choice. You voluntarily sinned. And the many, if not most, of the messes we're in, we chose from our own sin. See, in last week's story, the leper seeks Jesus and friends of the paralytic seek Jesus on his behalf. But in this story, Jesus is doing the seeking. Jesus came to seek 
and to save. He went to the Samaritan woman. He went out of his way to go from heaven to earth, Merry Christmas. And then he went out of his way in John 4 to go seek the Samaritan because she matters to God. See, last week's story, we got the, the leper and the paralytic looking for healing, and it's all about what Jesus can do physically on the outside. But in this story, it's a whole nother conversation. Now Jesus is revealing who he is. He will heal you on the inside. He'll deal with your sin and your mess, and he'll forgive you, and he'll restore you, and he'll not only forgive you from your sin, he'll restore your purpose, and he'll restore your identity. Listen, I gotta lay something out here on the board, and I'm just in the mood to teach, and you're in the mood to listen. So let's do this. See, in Genesis chapter 1, God reveals to us that he is our creator and our identity is in him. And you learn about the foundation of your identity, your worth, and your value is in your creator. It matters. And then in Genesis chapter 2, you discover your purpose. You're here for a reason. From a God who acts on purpose, you have a purpose. And your purpose is connected to God. And apart from him, you won't have clarity in life. You're accountable to him. You have purpose by him and for him. In Genesis chapter 3, we enter the mess. And this mess of sin that we enter into undoes and confuses us. And it leaves us wondering about our identity and about our purpose. And, and, and so I just want you to see this. Some, some places, some churches, let me just have a moment for the church. If your churches listen, some in this modern day culture that is highly polarized over these last 18 months in particular, and certainly historically, become churches that major on Genesis chapter 3. And so they run around and they think their primary role is to condemn the world around them and tell everybody about their sin. Look at your sin. Look at your sin. They just, they, and, and I get it. It's part of the story. But some churches, some of us can kind of lean into sin. Some of us as individuals think our job is to run around the world and condemn everybody for what they've done. Let's run to Samaria and tell them how bad they are. And not lean heavily into Genesis 1 and 2. Other churches maybe don't even think about it this way. But they become Genesis 1 and 2 churches. And they run around and tell everybody, oh, you're created by God. You have identity in God. You have value in God. You're loved by God. And God gives you a purpose. And then they stop. They don't have the conversation about sin. They don't tell the truth about how sin destroys and what separates us from God and what costs us and what must be redeemed. And the danger in picking one of these two is that you miss the whole story. The role of the church is to be Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Listen, we are all three chapters. And what Jesus healed is he healed the mess of our sin. And he didn't come to condemn us. And that healing not only deals with our sin, but it deals with our purpose and restores why we are here. And it resets our identity in him. And it's a whole spiritual, supernatural healing in church. We are not a Genesis 3 church. We are not a Genesis 1 and 2 church. We are a Genesis 1, 2, 3 church because that's who Jesus is. And that's how he heals. Amen? That's why I got to stick to my notes. We'll go too long here. Let me go to the next thought. What did Jesus do? Who is he? What was Jesus really like? He redefined inclusion and exclusion. 
See, when you, in, when you exclude people, just think about it. You get the context. You're smart. You know what this means. You just maybe have never thought about it this way. When you exclude people, when you group people up and exclude them, and you say they have no shot at the kingdom, when you exclude people, you exclude God. When you include sin, you exclude God. See, what happened in this story is mind-blowing. I don't know yet if it's accumulated and the weight of it has blown your mind yet. But Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, God in human flesh, he revealed himself publicly for the first time as the Messiah to a non-Jew, Samaritan, obscure, immoral woman. Everything you wouldn't do if you were a Jewish rabbi. Like this is going to mess with his disciples. With all of Sam's mistakes, five marriages on your next, Jesus, what are you doing? Because Jesus was redefining who gets to be included in the kingdom. This is so good. See, that's the good news. He didn't just come to seek, but to save lost people. People who made mistakes and made a mess. And he will include you. You'll have to include him. But Christmas is not the story of condemnation. Christmas is the story of grace. I know you wanted to say amen, so I'll pause. Amen. What we don't have time for is that little moment to say, but we have people that we feel are Samaritans to us, that we disdain, and we group up. And then we put Jesus in our group. I'm sure he appreciates it. Jesus and us, we're over here. You are over there. And we group up. I don't like that group. I don't care for that group. We have a disdain for that group. We have history of hate. We have stuff they just, they're messing up. Sometimes we, we group up sins. That, you have that sin, you can't even walk in our church. You have our sin, we understand our sins. Our sins are acceptable. Come on, come on. We have a group of sin that's acceptable at this church. That sin, we do not let that sin in. You're not good enough. You're excluded. God can deal with this sin, can't deal with that sin. We group up churches by sins. Oh, not that ethnicity. No, we like homogeneous. Oh, not that political party. Jesus isn't even with you. He's over here. He excluded you. This was so radical. So let me just say, we are in everyone church because Jesus is an everyone savior. I have no choice. If not, then you don't follow Jesus. Almost done. What was Jesus really like? When God includes you and you include God, you have real joy. Real what? Joy. Gotta say it with joy. Real what? Joy.
fact, we got to bring back this. This thing is contagious. So I got to take. I got to let the film because because I didn't get to highlight it. So let me just play 15 seconds back repeat from the film. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> Wait! You're what, dear? You forgot your, um... Foxy, oh man, you told me everything I ever did! <laughs> yeah, it is so good. What was Jesus like? He was full of joy, and he brought joy. There's another one that has to be repeated. And I'll just tell you why in a moment. It's right at the end, but I didn't get to say anything, and I want to, so a few more seconds. It's been a long time of sowing. But the fields are ripe for harvest. And so it's time. Let's go. Yes! Here's what I like. I just like that Jesus got a theme song. I think that is super cool. And it's a great theme song. I mean, Jesus is just walking away, that slow walk. And the song's called Trouble. It's called what? Trouble. It's like, go make trouble for good. Let's go make trouble for the evil one. And Jesus says, let's go. He says, what? Let's, we should have a let's go list. So I'm going to do this quickly and then hand it to campus pastors. Here's a let's go list. If he's going to restore the joy of your salvation, then you got to restore yourself to the things that he said let's go do together. There's a whole long list of let's go. For example, where are you excluding or condemning Samaritans? Let me say it this way. The moment in your life you look at another person and you say, in that moment, say, gracious God, change me. We are not in this. This is not the time for condemning. This is the time for inviting. The condemning will come when Jesus returns, and that's his job. And he doesn't even condemn. You'll condemn yourself when you say no to Jesus. This is the time for inviting. We love people because Jesus loves people. And by the way, he loves everyone. Well, let's go. Let's go love everyone. Here's another one. Let's go. Time to tell people about Jesus. Let's go. I mean, that's why that's what Peter said. Let's go. Time to tell everyone about Jesus. The, the mission is on. Let's go. Who are you inviting? Christmas Eve. Who are you inviting in the new year? Here's another one. Time to invest. Let's go. Jambos. You text Jambos to 37748 because we're buying pajamas for foster kids. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.